professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau, chartered accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. Welcome to today's Entrepreneur on this Monday night. My name is Dan Delmar, along with my co-host Josh Miller from Fuller Landau. Josh, how are you? I'm great, Dan. Thank you. And uh, this evening on the program, this is, of course, a program every Monday night at 7 p.m. about uh, great entrepreneurs here in the city. And tonight we have another one. Please uh, welcome to the program Normal Ebel Jr. of the group Park Avenue. Uh, Normal, welcome. Good evening. And it's and Dan tonight, uh, really interesting show. First of all, family business. It's really all about the family business. Normal is second generation. It's about cars, which you know, everybody has a, a fondness for, for their first car, their second car, their last car, their current car. All kinds of cars. Mm. Uh, uh, very expensive, expensive cars, moderately priced cars. You, you sell them all in a while. At a cocktail party, that's usually the first thing they, they start talking about. Yeah. And, uh, and it goes on from there. <laughs> yeah, where's that Rolls Royce? Why didn't you pull up in it? <laughs> so, Norma, uh, welcome to the show. And why don't you let us know exactly what Group Park Avenue is today? Sure, and, and thank you for having me on. A lot of uh, excited employees today. I hopefully will we'll be listening, <laughs> although we're competing with the Canadians, so, but I think we'll, uh, we'll win out. Absolutely. Listen, Group Park Avenue today is um, still a family business, um, the Hebert family. It's uh, 16 automobile dealers uh, in Montreal and one in Vancouver. Uh, we have uh, sales of over $400 million. We sell about uh, 11 and 11,500 new and used vehicles a year, over 500 employees, um, a nice uh, a nice size business with a great, great team, and we're very proud of it. Now, so how did the Bear family get into this business? Where did it all start? Well, my dad's a, what you call a self-made man, started uh, in the early 1950s in the auto parts business. Uh, his dream was to be a, an automobile dealer, and the best dealership in those days was a Chevrolet dealership. So he uh, tried very hard for a number of years and was able to buy a, a dealership located on Park Avenue, Avenue du Parc, but in those days it was Park Avenue. That's where the name grew Park Avenue, and, and Park Avenue Chevrolet was the, was the store, which he bought in 59. It was a dealership that was nearly bankrupt, if you can believe that, because the, the business was so strong for GM. And uh, he turned it around, and it became, through the 60s and 70s, one of the largest GM dealers at that time uh, selling Chevrolet, Oldsmobile, and Cadillacs in Canada. Now, how, do, how does one choose which type of car to sell? I mean, there's so many different varieties out there. Is this something that uh, the entrepreneur goes out and says, I want to sell that? Or is it the dealers that, that come in and say, well, we want to be in this market? Well, uh, when we were able to diversify back in 84, uh, up until that time, you were only allowed to own one, uh, one General Motors store. We uh, saw the, the tendencies coming in the market, uh, the uh, imports, the Japanese and, and European brands had started in the early 80s. And uh, so we, we, I guess we, we thought about it and you have to have some strategy in, in the business and we wanted to have uh, the three leading Japanese brands, Nissan, Honda and Toyota. So we went out and, and uh, uh, convinced, I guess, the, the, the manufacturers to, uh, to give us uh, a franchise. But they can't give franchises at every street corner, so we needed to find an area in the city where there were, was no representation. In the in the mid-'80s, um, the, the market that we found that uh, was uh, available for those brands, but also we also wanted to build an auto mall, which is a kind of an automobile shopping center. Uh, so we, we identified Brossard on the South Shore on Tasho Boulevard, just west of the Champlain uh, Bridge exit. And uh, so we bought some property, and we went and 
visited with the manufacturers. We talked to them about our plan, and, and lo and behold, they, they, uh, they gave us the franchises. You're in a business uh, which is essentially sort of, I mean, some of your dealerships are competing with the others. How, do you, how have you managed that over the years uh, when essentially, you know, uh, some employees may be trying to take away business from other employees? Well, the business model is really uh, having as many brands as you can in one location because customers, as you know, buy where they either live or they work. Um, each brand has a has a niche in the marketplace. Uh, obviously, there's luxury and non-luxury, but within even the, the different luxury or non-luxury brands, there's uh, everybody has their, their image. Um, so, yes, they're competing, but at the same time, we're able to offer a wide brand, a wide array of vehicles, many brands, uh, to... Um, our, our customers who often buy or have bought you know more than one vehicle from us maybe you can explain a little bit the you mentioned auto mall like maybe maybe you can tell us exactly what that is and how the concept came to be is it something that you originated or is this something across the nation that uh, that started before well auto malls uh, really kind of took uh, uh, their 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 start in in California uh, back in the 1960s uh, there was uh, municipalities actually who collect a percentage of the sales tax which is kind of unique uh, had a real interest in having automobile dealers in their uh, in their community so they they had lots of land and they they approached automobile dealers to build their dealerships in one central location so the concept of one-stop shopping not unlike shopping centers that we saw for for many years and still today um, that tendency came to Canada in the you know in the late 70s and early 80s and 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 that was kind of our our vision uh, driven by my dad but also also by myself too you know, to do something that was unique. And and today, we operate uh, 10 franchises on Tashro Boulevard, but there are 10 others that we do not own. So it's the largest automobile shopping center in Quebec. Do the manufacturers care that you have all the competition on one piece of property? Well, what they like is, is they like traffic and, and to have many brands in one location will, will attract a lot, of, a lot of traffic, which is a good thing. Um, I think your question also is going to, you know, how do they how do they feel about us operating different brands? Correct. And, and I think what we can bring to the table for them is is uh, is an experienced management team, uh, access to capital, good structure, good processes, and there's enough measurements in our business today that they can know and we know if we're performing well. Um, so if we are, and this is what we always try to do, is to is to to do as best as we can in all of our key performance indicators, then. Um, then they're happy and we're happy. Certainly seems like a, a, an air of transparency about the whole process. Is is that true? Well, that's certainly the way we've always tried to operate. And, and um, you know, we're, we're business people and entrepreneurs. And, and I think that there's an opportunity for us to, to have a number of brands and do well with them. I think it's a win-win for for the manufacturer, for, for ourselves, and especially for the customer who has, you know, who, who knows who they're dealing with and uh, have a wide choice of products. Concept of transparency is, is huge amongst entrepreneurs and there's a big debate either what information you reveal or not. And we come back from the break, I'm curious to hear from Norma exactly how that management style has kind of worked in their business over the years. Today's Entrepreneur continues in a moment with our guest Norma Ebel Jr. from the group Park Avenue at 715. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau, chartered accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. 
Welcome back to today's entrepreneur. I guess this evening, Normal Bell Jr. from the group Park Avenue, and uh, the the auto marketplace very competitive. Normal, uh, what what do you two do to to maintain an edge, and and what is your management style like? Um, do you do you expect a lot from your employees? Do you uh, uh, put a lot of pressure on them to perform? Well, with many uh, locations, uh, and we have general managers in, in each location, we really have a decentralized. Uh, management style. So I couldn't do everything that I do both in the business and outside from a philanthropic point of view if I had to be uh, uh, hands-on all the time. So my first management style, I guess, is is uh, is delegate and empower. And I think that that's, uh, that's something that I learned from my dad over the years. And, uh, and that works very well for us. Uh, they have, you know, guidelines as to where they shouldn't, uh, you know, step out of bounds. But within that, they're it's as if it's their own business, and, and do uh, they report back to you? Do you follow up with them? Oh yes, with yeah. We have got you know constant communication, whether it's uh, by phone or email today. Uh, um, we have uh, monthly management uh, meetings, uh, so there's a lot of uh, we measure just about everything that you can measure. So there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of accountability, but within that, they they you know they're free to do you know what they want to do, and and once they have their budgets, they can you know they they can, they can they can do as they please in the sense of that it becomes their own business you mentioned that uh, something that your father started did your did your dad what kind of management style did did he have well even uh, i remember as a as a young boy even as uh, you know with one with one general motors store and a, and a, and a long term leasing company two businesses in those days he that's the way he operated he empowered his people um, and he he was able to build a, a a really strong team and in fact there's probably maybe a dozen automobile dealers in, in, in Montreal today that came out of Park Avenue over the years so he was able to develop strong uh, strong management teams and one of I think his strengths was that he um, you know he, he had confidence in his people and uh, obviously you know he was uh, as I uh, you know we were very we're very transparent we we don't like gray we're black or white so it's 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 very clear um, uh, what we want to do and what we expect but within that that notion of empowerment is uh, is a is a real uh, feature of group park avenue so when you came into the business is that something you learned or was that kind of inbred when you and you along the way well certainly it it, it, it rubs off on you uh, and um, and over the years I think you know you, you take from from your, your your boss and in my case it was my dad so you, you take you know the things that you that you feel apply to you and that was one that I was comfortable with and then over the years as you get a little bit more confident and you you read and you, you you're exposed to other you know other business leaders and then you, you realize that that's a, that's a good path to follow and your employees take to it well I mean do they do, do they disappoint do they flourish is that you find it works really the only way to go well I think so I'm a, I'm a big fan of that because I, I think that uh, you know people are you know you have to compensate them properly uh, if, if you want to retain your people but the real I think the real edge that you have today is is, is to let people develop themselves and, and flourish uh, as an individual and as a, as a and as a leader within their own organizations and that doesn't doesn't need to be the, the head it could be anybody can be a, a leader and I think if you can create that kind of atmosphere uh, people like that Today's Entrepreneur continues. Our guest, Nohmal Ebel Jr. from the group Park Avenue. It's 723 on CJ80. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau, Chartered Accountants, and Business Advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. 725 on CJ80. Our guest this evening on Today's Entrepreneur, Nohmal Ebel Jr. from the group Park Avenue. As you grew up in the family business, Normal, 
certainly there was a learning curve, even though you grew up around the table, and I'm sure there were plenty of discussions, and you couldn't escape it at the, at the Sunday evening dinner. But when you look back, is there is there a decision that was taken that maybe you learned from, or if you if you were to have it all, all, all to do all over again, that you would do differently? Yeah, unfortunately, you you know you you learn by your mistakes, and uh, I think one of the things my my father always taught me was to let me make mistakes. Uh, he was smart enough to kind of uh, make sure that they didn't cost too much. So, um, and what I remember is um, it was probably my second year, and I had an opportunity with uh, with my General Motors representative to buy a a large quantity of vehicles, about a hundred cars at the time, and. Um, I thought it would be a great thing we'd kind of corner the market um, so I took a quick decision I didn't consult him and uh, and thinking that I you know he'd be, he'd be proud of what I did I guess I forgot two things one is that I was buying probably one of the worst sellers in the market and uh, and that uh, although we were able to have most of the vehicles that existed in Montreal uh, there were no uh, special incentives on the car so we were we were we had the the monopoly but nobody wanted them so uh, so it Great took to a, have. it took us a little while to get out of that one and i think the lesson that uh, he told me and 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 again you know it's easy to you can get mad at somebody but he didn't get mad he just kind of said uh, you know sometimes uh, two heads are better than one maybe if you'd sat down and we talked about it we maybe we would have made the same decision and got you know made the same mistake together but maybe it would have been a different outcome have you had that i mean that was as a result of delegation Right, he delegated a certain amount, or was this more of a, an initiative on your part? Well, yeah, yeah, I was in charge of the sales operation, so uh, you know, I was in charge of ordering the cars, and uh, and uh, yes, it was a result of uh, of, of delegation, and uh, that happens. I have I have young general managers today that uh, you know you you know they're they're gonna you know come to you, and and it it, it might not work their idea, but you know you got to bite your tongue and, and and let them experience that for themselves. Otherwise, the, the, you know they won't learn. But you, but you find yourself really letting them go, and I mean, if they come back, have they have they learned lessons the hard way? I mean, with almost with your pocketbook. Yeah, I mean, you try to, you know, you want to make sure that that you limit uh, there, and sometimes you say, well, if if it goes wrong, how much will it cost? And then sometimes they'll, you know, they'll back away. But you know, you you have to let people learn, um, and that's what we try to teach our young our young managers is, you know, let let you know make decisions, let your people make decisions, and and if you try to correct them all the time or tell them that what the answer is that they won't learn how many employees are you today we're about 525 so there's a real hierarchy of uh, of people and that works i mean that it didn't you weren't always 525 did you have to take a long time to develop that kind of pyramid if you will well as we grew and it's a pretty flat organization i mean uh, there's myself, then there's general managers, and then line managers. So there's not a, there's not a, and we have a very lean corporate office, a chief financial officer, an HR manager, and a customer relations manager. So it's it's uh, it's pretty lean, um, and uh, you know we grew it over the years. One of the strengths that we have and we've developed is that we grow our people internally. We we really have a philosophy of promoting from within. So that's that's really a, a powerful tool to hire people and obviously to keep them. Uh, and that's allowed us to grow. We're just opening a new Nissan store next week in Saint Constant, on the South Shore, and uh, all of our management team has come from within. So that's a really powerful statement. Management styles among entrepreneurs uh, are are vastly different. And as we were talking here at uh, Norma and, and Group Park Avenue, they're open, they're transparent, they delegate. Uh, versus maybe some other entrepreneurs that really keep all their items and information close to the vest. They feel they want to control. 
both can be successful, uh, certainly over the years you find, but if you don't let other people do their job and empower them to do it, I think the entrepreneur will be limited in their growth and in their success. Uh, and that's a, that's a tough, tough lesson to learn because you don't necessarily want to impart all the information. Hey, Anamal, thank you very much. Uh, I know when we come back, there's so many more things to discuss from a marketing and transition standpoint. Looking forward to it. And as well, when it comes to family businesses, uh, was there an, ever any conflict? Uh, we'll get to that, and uh, you'll impart some wisdom for our other family business owners out there listening on the program. It's uh, 7.30 on CJAD. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau, Chartered Accountants and Business Advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. 7.33, welcome back to Today's Entrepreneur. I'm Dan Delmar, along with Fuller Landau's Josh Miller. We're here every Monday night at 7 p.m. profiling uh, fantastic local business owners. And this uh, this evening, we have Normal Ibel Jr. on the program from Le Group Park Avenue. And uh, now, Normal, correct me if I'm wrong, but we're at 16 dealerships right now, 16 car dealerships in the country? That's right. We have 14 in Montreal, two in Vancouver, and a long-term leasing company, one of the largest in Quebec. Uh, you, your your family started in 1959 with the one on Park Avenue, of course. Um, how did you grow? I think I think it's a pretty basic question for a lot of business owners out there. How, you know, a lot of people are maybe uh, um, you know uh, stuck at the same level for for a long time. Uh, at what point did the business sort of explode? And and managing growth as well, you know, because it's one thing to have great sales and another thing to control those costs along the way. Well, I think there's 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 two parts of it, obviously through the 60s and 70s and even the 80s as we had the one General Motors dealer and in, 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 in our, in our long-term leasing company, the growth was through that. And obviously my father grew that from probably a, a two or 300 car dealership to a 4,000 car dealership. So so there was growth there. And and, 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 and then when we were able to diversify, then then we grew it from, from one physical dealership to, to many to where we are today. And and probably one of the, um, the, the, key, the key things in any growth uh, recipe is risk um, uh, and uh, you, you have to be ready at some point uh, you, you know you have to know where you want to go with which is w one thing but you know anybody can have a strategy but if you're not prepared to execute it and, and part of execution is risk and it's putting your money on the table and starting a new business or buying a piece of property and and that's that's challenging that's my next question. Did you have when you when you decided to open up perhaps dealership number two or three? Did you have the the volume where that decision was sort of a no brainer, or was or did you sort of roll the dice and say I'm going to open up another location and I'm going to assume the business is going to come? Well, timing is is so much in business, and and this was uh, 85, 86. Uh, the import business was was actually booming in, in in Montreal, and when we opened these stores. You know that you know build it and they will come. Well, that that's what happened. So we we but it wasn't always the case. We had some other stores that that were at, you know, had a really slow start. So it's not always easy. But uh, you know you have to be in a market where, especially in the car business, you have to be in a market that has uh, people have the, the means to buy a car, and that there's critical mass. And that's what we tried to to achieve in, in Brossard. And then what happens when a recession hits? Then you uh, you know hopefully you've. Uh, You've accumulated uh, capital over the years, and you and you kept that in the business. Uh, you you readjust your operations as as you can. Um, you know, you sometimes you have to cut not only the fat, the bone. You you try not to do that, but but survival is is is, is the essential. We've gone through probably three or four recessions in, in all of our years, and have you it, learned from each one? Yeah, I think you you never you never. Uh, 
the one thing that that's the hardest is to realize when it when is it when are you in it uh, that's hard yeah you're especially as you're growing and you're creating these processes to try and manage the existing business and then kind of a brick wall or at least a half brick wall come and you got to restart you got to go back to scratch and you got to figure out where where you got to cut or where you got to yeah. develop after that and, and the leader you know you know it all starts with with the leader and at some point you have to say you know that we're we're in a you know we're we're in the storm and uh, m you know my dad had an expression that you know uh, when when the seas are calm let your let your your your, your crew you know uh, pilot the boat but when the seas act up and you're in the storm the captain needs to take over the helm and, and i think that that's when you have to call the, the the shots and say listen we're you know we're in the storm and we have to make some decisions leadership is certainly key now if now that you have 500 plus employees is it easy to keep them all in the same direction and how do you accomplish that i think communication and you can never over communicate uh, i think from from the, the top management team right to the bottom we try to give as much information as we can um, there's very little that we we don't communicate uh, and uh, and i think that once people know knowledge is power um, then they're able to uh, you know to, to follow where we where we want to go and i think it's as simple as saying this is where we want to go and so many people just don't don't say that or and don't communicate it necessarily that's right let's uh, i'm gonna say switch gears a little bit <laughs> no pun intended um marketing you have these dealerships you're you're going up against uh, other people i mean it's a similar product as other other uh, people have similar dealerships how do you deal with marketing what's been some maybe some of your more effective means well we all sell the same vehicles uh, at the same price uh, f at the same interest rate so that you know that's a given and there's very little margin in automobiles today so there's very little elasticity left in, in the price of vehicles that that's a, a fancy way of saying there's not a whole lot of room yeah. to negotiate anymore so I think the key today in our business is is, uh, is customer retention and keeping your customers, and that's what we focus a lot of our marketing on. We have a loyalty card program, which is in its uh, second year, which is doing very well, and we hope over the years will become stronger and stronger. And the fact that we have many dealerships uh, allows us to, to cross-market to our different customers, and as people's needs change, then hopefully we have the vehicle for them. So that's that's really where we focus. So not so much those uh, wacky cartoon characters with the inflatable arms? <laughs> no, no. no, no. But uh, when, you're, when you're driving uh, on Tasho, for example, and you see all of these dealerships, and uh, you know a lot of businesses are like that, they have sort of competitors nearby, how do you stand out from the crowd, and how do you get people to drive into your place as opposed to the neighbor? Well, a couple of things. One is uh, they all have the same name, so it's Park Avenue, and, and we've decided to, uh, we did that just before our 50th anniversary in 19, uh, in 2009, excuse me, and to rebrand uh, the stores that didn't have the name Park Avenue. So that, that allows people to understand right away that, that, that this store versus the other store uh, is, is part of the Park Avenue group. Um, and one of the things that we pride ourselves on is our stores are, 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 are all at the, the latest uh, manufacturer image so uh, you see stores that look the same different same brand well we're, we're there and 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 that's a source of pride for us and I think for our customers it's a source of, of, of comfort that our stores are, are modern they're clean they're uh, state-of-the-art uh, and and I think that that's uh, when you look at others perhaps in the same geographic area uh, it certainly raises the bar for for our, com our competitors having so many brands under the same umbrella are you trying to be all things to all people no, I think that uh, consumers uh, have so many options today that we're we're trying to um, 
to give them a good choice uh, from an entry-level vehicle to a, to a luxury vehicle. And I think to do that, you, you, you need to have uh, a certain number of brands. Do we need to have them all? The answer is, is no. Do we want to have them all? The answer is no. And probably we couldn't have them all. Um, but I, I think that, uh, that, it, uh, that the kind of choice that we have is, uh, I think we're in the right space. Today's more youthful consumer, are you hitting the social media? The Facebook, the Twitters, can you use those to sell cars? I think so. Um, you know, we're, we're experimenting like so many other people are. I, I, it's kind of the thing, you, you don't really know how it's all going to turn out, but you know you got to be there. Um, one of the things that we're, we're seeing because we're on YouTube, we're on uh, Facebook, and we're on Twitter is, is uh, Twitter right now seems to be much more transactional. Uh, uh, we have uh, uh, a young uh, woman that works uh, for us and is our, uh, kind of our social media person and she's on Twitter and she's constantly there as you should be and and uh, we're finding that people are following her and are asking her for advice or for information uh, which is more uh, than we see on, on Facebook and I think they're there's for two different reasons and so Twitter's kind of uh, an interesting uh, an interesting development how has the internet in general changed your business uh, so many people now are buying cars from Kijiji and Craigslist uh, do you find yourself competing with those online classified sites well we're there I mean we're uh, the used car business today is 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 100% internet based, and uh, unfortunately for for print, uh, you know that's that's just a thing of the past. So, um, so yes, we're uh, we're we're on uh, as many uh, websites as we can. What you need is you need to have eyeballs that looking at at your vehicles. Um, on the new car side of the business, it has been a fantastic tool for for consumers to educate them, to allow them comparison shopping to. You know, to find out what the car will cost on a monthly basis. You can even get your credit approved online. Um, but it's not transactional. People are coming in and they want to try the car and they want to meet a sa the salesperson for whom the, you know, from whom they'll buy the vehicle. In a few minutes, we're going to come back and talk a little bit about you know, succession planning and, uh, and estate planning and all that. Uh, maybe, Norma, you can give us a little bit of, of history of detail, what worked for you when you're talking about transition, when your dad kind of wound down and you kind of built up into that, that role of CEO? Well, certainly, as uh, every time that he gave more responsible responsibilities to me, one of the things that he did is he, he really passed the baton. He, he backed away. And, uh, and when, uh, in the early 90s, he asked me to take over as a CEO of, of the group, um, his decision was made. He felt that I could do it. I, I felt as well and uh, that I could. And, uh, and as soon as he, uh, he did that, um, he, he gave me full responsibility. And uh, one of the things that he did uh, was to, he found himself another job. And he, uh, he became uh, philanthropic and he got involved in a number of, of, uh, of, of different activities. It kept him busy. He always had his, his hands uh, close to the business because he, he still had financial interest in it. But from a day-to-day -day basis, uh, he, uh, you know, he had moved on. Do you still involve him at all? At all? Oh, absolutely. He's invaluable. Uh, he's uh, 85 years old. And and uh, whenever I have some some big issues, uh, I, I just love to sit down with him. He doesn't have a, you know his nose in it anymore, so he's very impartial and uh, and, and objective. Uh, and uh, I always look forward to those chats. What about the next generation? Any plans? Yes, we have two children: a daughter, 26, and a son uh, who's 24. Uh, they're both very interested in the business. Uh, uh, our daughter's just finished an MBA at Harvard, so we're very proud of her. Uh, she's living in London, England and working, and she wants to stay there for a few more years. She's getting married next year, uh, uh, but in is interested in the business. And our son uh, 
is uh, is also working outside the business now and and uh, wants to do an MBA and then join us probably in late 2013. So both kids are interested. They're motivated. Uh, they know a lot about the business because we've uh, we've communicated that to them and uh, and we're excited. You know, you make transi- transition sound easy. It's certainly uh, not easy for many many families. So you must be doing something right. And I, I think one of the areas and issues that entrepreneurs don't always realize is that communication is key. Positive communication, constant communication. Uh, you have that with uh, all generations, whether it's parents or children uh, or siblings. And well, some of it may be yelling along the way, uh, but a lot of it is at least it's out there and at least it's knowledge. And that that's, that's huge. And I think you've done that really well. And uh, I think when we get back from the break, we're going to chat a little bit more about a little bit of the technical side and uh, also with, with Norman, kind of hear how he's done it as well. And uh, Nick Moretis, tax partner at Full Orlando, will join us to walk us through some of those technical issues. So if you uh, do have a family business and uh, perhaps are going through those same sort of succession issues, you want to pass the business on to your, uh, to your young, uh, young ones, uh, Nick will have a lot of advice to give you on that. So that's coming up in a second on today's Entrepreneur. It's 7.45. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau, Chartered Accountants and Business Advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. 748, welcome back to today's Entrepreneur, a program about the entrepreneurial spirit that drives Quebec business. Dan Delmar, along with Fuller Landau's Josh Miller, our guest this evening, Norma Abel Jr. from the Group Park Avenue. And we also bring into the conversation Nick Moretis, a tax partner at Fuller Landau. Welcome back, Nick. Thank you. And uh, we want to get into uh, to family businesses, as is the case with Norma, passing it on to the next generation, which is something, uh, Norma, that, that you're looking forward to uh, in, in the coming years, I'm assuming, and how to do that properly. Now, there's, there's so many ways, there's, you know, minimize the taxes, nobody wants to pay a lot of taxes, and there's some areas, and capital gains exemption is part of it, but maybe there are some things that don't work necessarily. Nick, maybe you can elaborate. That, that's right. Uh, one of the um, uh, policies within the Canadian government is something called the capital gains deduction, which is, I guess, an incentive to uh, business owners uh, who build their business over time, and it's, a, it's an exit. Uh, when they do sell, they can, they can pocket more money in their pocket uh, tax-free. Um, it is a, a, a very useful tool. It's core tool in, in, in any business environment that uh, you work in in terms of planning to make sure that you're into that. For some reason, and, and I'm sure people there's probably good reasons, it doesn't v- work very well in the family succession. Uh, so despite government rhetoric that, that knows that there's an enormous wave of, of, of business succession coming and that there's, there are children who are looking to take over, if, uh, Normand, you could sell your business to me and you could be structured properly, you would pay far, far less tax than if you tried to sell your business to your own two children and, and continue on the succession. That's correct. And that is, that is stated government policy, and it's not very fair. There's been some discussions at the political level, uh, but, I, but I think there's, some, there's, there's lack of some um, meaningful uh, ex- uh, um, reviewing as to maybe perhaps changing that which therefore means we got to do a whole bunch of other things. Like what? Well, one is selling it to me. I'll give you a good price, <laughs> Norman. The, the other is that you, you do, you'll though, leave them with a car for life, yeah, that's right? That's right. Uh, but then you start looking at um, the, the situation. That if you are looking at the, one of the exits for the owner is I'm either going to do what? I'm either shutting down the business or I'm going to sell it to my children or I'm going to sell it to somebody else. could be management or a third party. Um, and you basically, you don't know what you're going to do, and you're basically looking at some structure. And, and you're getting into uh, looking at that corporation that runs your business and, and start complicating who the shareholders are of that business. 
and you're getting into the use of family trusts uh, where you're bringing in the family's beneficiaries. You start looking at uh, various holding companies within the family where eventually you're accumulating your cash and that will probably be used at one point in time to do the, the succession. You start looking at life insurance a lot more carefully because it is a useful tool for the children to pay into the, the parent's estate. Uh, you're looking at the founder also turning around and making that conscious decision. Well, if I, if I want to do something today and sell out to somebody else, I'll have X dollars in my pocket. I won't be working anymore. Whereas if I want that pass it on to my children, there is some expectation that that final cash dollar will be delayed until much further. Uh, and then does, there's it, a, does the Nick does, yes. does the entrepreneur lose control when the when this process is done? If he passes you, on. I mean, passes on to his the, ultimate family. Um, you could. It is not normally is something that you look to do. There, the entrepreneur is looking to maintain that control, whether it's through votes, whether it's through signing authorities, whether it's through the final ultimate decision, whether it's being the CEO and chairman of the board. Introducing somebody as a shareholder does not necessarily mean that that shareholder has rights to uh, outdo what you want to uh, uh, do and, and decide to do something else. It just gives them the, the right to potentially participate in the future growth and wealth of the company. So there is a, there is a, a balance to be struck. So the entrepreneur, if, he's, if he or she is thinking about flexibility when they're looking at the structure, or if you're talking about family trust, then there is some flexibility. There is absolute flexibility. The, the structures are usually set up where Norman would be, say, in, in, the, in the driver's seat vis-a-vis -vis the company and vis-a-vis -vis the shareholders. Uh, but the, the question what you're, what you're trying to do is you're looking to really spread the wealth. You're looking to really minimize your tax, increase what you can for your family. That's what you're, you're in the business for. Um, aside from enjoying the business, and et cetera, you are looking to increase your wealth. And decide that, yes, we will pay paying taxes, as uh, we are living in Canada, uh, there is an, an, a, you're looking as an objective to at least uh, keep a fair share of your, of your wealth amongst your family members. Norma, when you went through this process, did you understand everything? Did it take a while to kind of grasp the concepts? It, it's, uh, it's, it's quite technical, uh, so you need to have good, good uh, professional advice. Um, but at the end of the day, as you just mentioned, the, 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 uh, you know, the, one of the, the, the beauties of a family business is that you're able to keep the wealth within the family. And, uh, and part of that is um, the family trust method and where you, you probably do a, a freeze of your, the value of your, your shares at one point and then uh, and then the, you know everything else uh, goes to uh, to your children so today's entrepreneur continues in a moment on cjad at 7:53. for professional advice with a personal touch consult fuller landau chartered accountants and business advisors click on flmontreal.com remaining moments of today's entrepreneur presented by fuller landau our guest this evening nomal habel jr from the group park avenue and also Nick Moretis, tax partner at Full Orlando, joins us to talk about uh, how to pass on a business uh, to the next generation. So what, what have you seen mostly? Like what works, Nick, as far as this whole planning mechanism? I think one of the keys is time. Um, it's not something you decide several years before passing the torch to the children or if the exit is to sell. It's not something you start a couple of years before. Uh, you need time to set it up. Uh, you need time and running p as a parallel course, working with the children, like your dad did with you, and like you're going to now be starting with your own on passing that knowledge, passing that uh, the confidence, passing that delega uh, delegation, etc. Um, you need time to allow the value to shift around within the family members uh, through the trusts, um, and and that is something core and key. And usually, when you s when guys like me start talking about it to people. 
you're not thinking about leaving. You're you're in the middle of working. You're you're usually in your th- late thirties, your forties. Things are still going good. You're still doing your twelve, fourteen hours, and you relish that. And and it's more fun. And I'm coming along. Oh, I want you to start thinking about the day you're not there anymore, and you're passing it on. And I get that crazy look that Narmai, in a sense, you're giving me right now. Is I'm not ready for that yet, but it's time that we need to make this work properly. And there's certain planning that doesn't work if 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 you're looking at just around the corner to That's either right. sell or it, pass it, on. Yeah, the best laid plans of mice and men. If you are looking to transfer to your children and at the last minute decide that no that's not going to work i want to sell to somebody and you come running to your accountant and say okay get me my capital gains deduction we might look at you and say sorry we didn't plan for that and it's not something the government's going to give you away you have to follow the rules so that is something it's time and sitting down talking to your advisors and laying out the plan and you might be do you decide today we're not going to do anything for five years, but at least you know why you're not doing anything for the next five years. Making sure the door's open, making yeah. sure self-awareness is, is huge. That's right. Thanks very much, Nick. Narma, with uh, your whole story, the family history, uh, all you've been through, the transition and everything else, uh, is there a piece of advice, some words of wisdom that you would offer to today's entrepreneur? Well, I think in a family business, the beauty of a family business is to be able to, to when it works, to be able to work uh, with your family, uh, enjoy the benefits of a, of a successful business, and uh, and allow those in the family that maybe not want to be in the business to do other things as well, using that, that capital. So it's one of the great privileges to be able to do that and do it with your family. Uh, and to do that successfully, I think the advice is you, you need to communicate, uh, you need to keep the family together and have fun and I think uh, it, it can work it's, it seems to be working for us excellent thanks very much Donovan. Nick you know Dan the takeaway today for me is entrepreneurs that open up that are transparent that know that they can delegate that don't always clo- hold everything so closely to the vest we see so many entrepreneurs that just don't want to share information that I find are very limited. There's there's a certain glass ceiling, but those that are willing to delegate, those that are willing to have other people grow with them, grow beneath them, grow beyond them. That's where the success really, really comes out. So entrepreneurs with that transparency, fantastic, and uh, kudos to you, Norma, and your business. Thank Especially you. uh, with your own family too, and being patient with your own family, as your yeah. father was with you, and uh, didn't. Uh, Chew your ear off after that big purchase. Just like all our fathers yeah. are with us, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, no, Ma, thanks very much, and thank you, Nick, as well. Nick. Uh, don't forget, you can reach Fuller Landau during business hours at 514-875-2865 or visit their website, www.flmontreal.com. Josh, what's up next week? Next week, uh, we have uh, Robert Fagui, one of the partners of Prévost Fortin Daou, which is a law firm, and uh, lawyers run a business, too. So that should be very interesting. Lawyers and accountants next week on today's on <laughs> Non-stop thrills and chills. Coming up to 8 p.m. on Montreal's News Talk Leader, CJAD 800.